I don't know how far I'm going to get with the teaching that I'm going to share with you today. But listen to me. Look up here at me. I, I'm, I'm going to talk to the mature people today. And then I'm going to talk to those that are willing to grow. Because what I'm going to share with you today, you probably never heard about it before. And if you have, I don't know to what depth you have. But if you will listen, I believe the Lord is going to bless your life be times. And so I really want to, I really want to teach today. Um, but I won't make a promise that I won't get excited. Would you come away with me to Proverbs, the third chapter? If you have your iPhone or your iPad, electronic device, whichever one you have, I don't know who you're with, uh, what kind of phone you have, but if you would download our app, The Winning Church, you probably will find the notes there uh, under the, uh, our app. But we're in a new year, and we're in a new flow of lessons that I believe God is going to continue to birth throughout the year. And our first one is that, you know, uh, we've, we've gotten the theme, Thrive and Explore in 2024. So all year we're going to be thriving in certain areas and we're going to be exploring in some areas. But how many know when you explore something, that means you're going to find some more good stuff that you didn't know before. That's what exploring is. So today, count yourself on a journey to explore. And so we want to talk about exploring first fruit giving. Say it with me, exploring first fruit giving. When we look at first fruit giving, many will never tap into this principle because they will never hear it. Why? Because it will never be taught by their leader. Some will never hear it because they will never come to a place like this to hear it. And if you will, I want to just out uh, the gate real quick tell you when it comes to um, the support and the upkeep of the church it is done through those who give out of love for God's work when you love something you support it when you love something you give to it I love my wife, so I give to my wife. My wife loves me, so she gives to me. You love your children, you give to your children. Whatever you love, you support. If you love private 
Christian school, if you love it, you give to it. If you love little league football, you give to it. If you love the NFL, you give to it. How do I give the NFL? Well, you buy all of the jerseys and the paraphernalia. You go to the games every now and then. You buy all the little footballs and you buy, you know, because you love it. Whatever you love, you give to it. Hallelujah. If you sit beside your husband and wife, you ought to look over there and smile. Say, now you love me. The question is asked about first fruit. But I want to tell you something as we explore. First fruit tithes and offerings are different according to the scripture. See, like I said, you want to explore today because you probably never heard this here. And, and I'm going to have to teach it and explain it to you. You're going to have to come so you can get the whole you know, the whole uh, role, you can't just get part of it because you'll leave away half-cocked and then dangerous. Nehemiah 12 and 44, if you turn there, I just want to, this is just, I'm just off the cuff. I'm, 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 I'm starting out, but I just want to make this statement and I'm, I'm going to come back to it. I'm coming back to this, what I'm going to tell you right here. Nehemiah 12 and 44 says, and at that time, if you don't have your Bible, look up at the screen were some appointed over the chambers for the treasurers. Not just a treasurer, but treasurers. Y'all see that with an S on it? So they had people who were appointed for the offerings. They had people who was appointed for the first fruits. And they had people who was appointed for the tithe. Now what were they to do? To gather them into out of the fields of the cities, the portion of the law for the priests and the Levites, for Judah rejoiced for the priests and for the Levites that waited. So here we see where they had treasurers, and they collect a whole lot more than what we do today, but they had those that was appointed for, they didn't just say tithe, tithe, tithe. They didn't say just offering, offering, offering. They didn't just say first fruit, first fruit, first fruit. But they made it, a distinction between the three. It says for the offerings with the S on it, for the first fruit with the S on it, y'all see it? And for the tithe with the S on it. Right? Now I threw that at, at you, so you know, either you're gonna say, hmm, I'm curious, or you're gonna be mad. But before I address first fruit giving, I like to answer the question of sowing on the altar because I get that question a lot. So the first question should be, what is the purpose of an altar biblically? I'm taking my time. You see this, what I am standing considered to be an altar. Are you following me? Okay? So you're going to learn something today. An altar, listen to me, is any structure upon which offerings such as sacrifices are made for devoted purposes. Sacrifices will be placed on the altar for devoted purposes. To show that I am really dedicated and in tune to my relationship with God. 
And it was usually a raised platform with a flat surface, and there are 400 references to altars in the Bible. You can go and check me out. And the word altar is first used in Genesis 8 and 20 when Noah built an altar to the Lord after leaving the ark. However, the idea was uh, present early as in Genesis 4, 3, and 4. This is not in your notes, but I'm just talking. When you see it where Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to the Lord and they most likely presented their offerings on some type of altar, even though the word altar is not mentioned or used in that passage. And so follow me now. An altar always represents a place of consecration. Say that word with me, consecration. And before God gave his law to Moses, men made altars wherever they were out of wherever materials was available. They made an altar. You got altars in all kind of shapes of form. They would build an altar. Now, what was the purpose? So that they can consecrate a place before God so they can offer God something. Are you following me? And so an altar was often built to commemorate an encounter with, ooh, I like that, an encounter with God that had a profound impact upon someone. So when God does something for you, you always want to remember what God did for you. So the purpose of an altar is to build it so you can always remember how blessed God has made you as an individual. Are you following me? And so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Gideon all built altars and worship after having a unique encounter with God. Anytime you got a unique encounter with God, you ought to build an altar. Now, an altar is here at the church, but people got to have an altar at their house. Your altar may be your car. Your altar may be your living room. Your altar may be in the den. I don't know where your altar is, but you need to have a place where you commemorate, where, hey, God has been good to me. And I remember, I commemorate, I remember what he brought me out of. I remember when I was low and didn't know which way to go. I remember when he pulled me up out of deep pits of degradation. I remember when he turned my life around. I remember when I was on a, my way to a devil's hell. But God! That's why I come to the altar. An altar usually represents a person's desire to consecrate himself fully to the Lord. That's why people come to the altar so they can consecrate themselves. Are you following me? And so God had worked in a person's life in such a way that the person desired to create something tangible to really uh, memorialize it and so that you will never forget what God has done for you. I can't believe how some people forget how soon, how soon they forget what God did for them. If God healed you from asthma, you ought to always remember that. If God healed you from sugar diabetes, you ought to always remember that. 
if God healed you from heart, heart disease or gave, delivered you from some type of ailment, you ought to remember. If God brought you through all them surgeries, you ought to remember that. When you didn't have nothing, a nickel nor a nail, when you didn't have food on your table, God provided, you ought to remember that. Some of you used to work in the field. Some of you used to work from sun up to sun down. I'm telling you, you ought to remember what God brought you out of. Some of you went through all kinds of, my God, uh, 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 all kinds of, of things that happened to you by way of prejudice and, and bigotry and all those things because of your color and everything else. But God brought you through all of that stuff. Hallelujah. Okay, so now here it is. This is what I want you to remember. After all what I just talked about, I'm going to sum it up for you. An altar was made for number one, sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Now, now why you say sacrifice, Bishop? Uh, something that's valuable to you. That's what a sacrifice is. See, when they... Uh, in scripture, they would, they were like farmers. Some of them raised cattle, some did sheep, some did grain, or what have you. But they will, they would value the first part of what they had, and they will give that to God. Amen. See, sometimes God asks us to sacrifice. That's something that's valuable to you. If it ain't valuable to you, you don't want it no more. It ain't no sacrifice here. You don't want that junk. That ain't no sacrifice. We don't, we, we don't want none of this. Y'all can come steal it and get it, whatever. I don't care. It's not a sacrifice. Sacrifice is something that's valuable to you. Number two, it's a place of consecration. What is that? Declaring sacred, very special. See, that's what an altar is. It is a place of consecration. It's a special place. Number three, it commemorates an encounter with God. In other words, you recall what God has done and you show respect. You recall... See, you can add notes to what you already have. I ain't giving you everything. I'm just talking. You recall and show respect. You should never come to this house and disrespect God without leaving what you're supposed to leave here. You should always build an altar and come and give God what he is due. Amen? It's just like just a few minutes ago. We built an altar of praise. We offered the sacrifice of praise. Sometimes you won't even feel like it, but you come and you offer the sacrifice of praise. And after you get through praising God, God comes in. And before you know it, whatever was on your heart, whatever was bothering you, it ain't even bothering you no more. It don't even seem that bad no more. Why? Because you offered the sacrifice of praise on the altar. Can you say amen? And the enemy cannot keep somebody 
somebody down that's a praiser. He'll never keep a praiser down. When you are a praiser, I don't care what situation or what predicament you are in, you're going to come out of that thing all right. Can you say amen? A praiser may cry. A praiser may feel bad sometimes. But a praiser going to come out of that thing. Are you hearing me up in here? Look down your road and say, that be me. I'm a praiser. I'm the one. I'm a praiser. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And you don't praise because it's convenient for you. You don't praise because you're going to get anything from it or you're going to get anything out of it. No, you praise him because you love God. And when you praise him, he brings things right there to your, ah, right there in your lap. Praise is summons God to come to your rescue. Can you say amen? And last time I checked, we need God in everything that we do. Matter of fact, you ought to sit up a praise right there where you're sitting right there. You ought to just tell him, thank you. Hallelujah, Lord. See, right then and there, when you praise him, that means he's going to do something else. Now praise him again one more time. Now he's going to do something else. Praise him a third time. That means he's going to bring something else. Every time you praise him, it brings God on the scene. Praise him from the altar of your heart. Glory be to God. Help me teach this thing, God. Now, so we have explored the altar. Let's explore the offering itself. See, when studying scripture, one must always ask questions to get a better understanding. When you study, you should always ask, ask questions, right? Where did it get started? Why is it important? Who should give offerings? When should we give offerings? How should we give offerings? You need to ask questions when you're studying the scriptures. Are you following? So the first question is, what is an offering? I'm glad you asked. According to Webster New Collegiate Dictionary, offering is the act of one who offers something offered, a sacrifice, ceremonially offered, a part of worship, a contribution to support of a church. Now, Holman Bible Dictionary says, the physical elements the worshiper brings to the deity to express devotion, thanksgiving, or the need for forgiveness. Uh-huh. Orban a, well, says a sacrificial present, an oblation, something brought near the altar. Now, in the Hebrew, menchat, to a portion, bestow a gift, an oblation, a present, a donation, a, a tribute, a sacrificial offering. Now, Mechard literally assigns a gift from one who is an inferior to an superior. So, Mechard was more simpler than animal sacrifices, but being merely something given to God, which was of value to man as a mean of living. In other words, the fruit of man's labor. 
You know why you want to hold on them, hold on what you have? Because you know how long it took you to get it. How long it took you to get them two, three nickels? Eight hours a day. Man, it took you a long time to get what you got. That's why you hold on to it. You put a lot of time to get that. That's your labor. And it's supposed that it expresses a confession that all good works are a blessing of God. Now, Psalms 96 and 8. Oh, yeah. Look what it says. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Y'all see that? Bring an offering and come into his courts. Now, the Bible is full of offerings. Now, we talked about the altar and what its purpose was and how the altar was built to receive things, amen, that's supposed to be consecrated, things that we bring to the altar that we uh, value, things that we sacrifice, things that we commemorate, we consecrate uh, to the altar. So we understood that. Then we start talking about the offering. And the Bible speaks of many different offerings. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it talks about the burnt offering, which was the morning and evening to restore the relationship with God and to atone for some sin. Then they had the grain offering. I'm speaking fast. I know you say, well, God, my goodness, I can't write that fast. It's all right. Uh, mean offerings. You can go back and you can, you can hear it again. Uh, no bloodshed. Recognition of God's blessing. I like that. We want to recognize God's blessing. That's why you give an offering. This is the recognition of God's blessing that... Uh-huh, the song they used to sing, you can't be God-given no matter how you, how you try. When you give to God, he said, hey, that's a seed that's going to bring a harvest. Then there was the peace offering, which has to do with fellowship, thanksgiving, spiritual renewal. Then there's the sin offering, had to do with purification, designed to deal with sin that was committed unintentionally. Then there's the guilt offering, which was for trespass, a reparation, or a restitution. In other words, we got to pay you back for what we did. There's something that, that have happened in your life that God is about to bring restitution or reparation. You about to get back that and more that was done to you. So for the most part, animals were sacrificed in order to give or make an offering in Old Testament, but grain, fruit, wine, and incense were offered. The grain and the fruit sacrifice were offered as a tithe of the harvest or as a representative first fruit of the harvest, and they were pres presented in the baskets to the priest who set the basket before the altar. So they were giving on the altar. Now, not like what we do when we put stuff on the altar because, of course, you know, we're not farmers. We don't have grain. We don't have fruit. We don't have no uh, vineyard. We, we, that, that's how, how we make our, that's how they, that was their living. You understand what I'm saying? So we get, you know, we, mm -hmm, we get cash. We get, you know, Darius. We get, the, yeah, we get bread. We get dough, whatever y'all call it. Uh-huh. Amen. Y'all call it something else. You know, Benjamins. I don't know what y'all call them. Uh-huh. Amen. But what they would do back then is that when they got ready to harvest, they would bring and they would bring big baskets full of things from everybody, and they would have so many baskets that it would be so high it would you couldn't see me because all of the basket they played placed on the altar as unto the Lord. 
and they would bring it to the priest and he'd pray over it and all that kind of good stuff. Amen. Oh, you still learning something. And so when we understand how first fruit and how giving works, there is an eternal law and there is a natural law. The eternal and, say it with me, eternal and natural law. Now, what is that, Bishop? I'm glad you asked. Give, and it shall be given. That's a natural law, and that's an eternal law. So, and you shall reap. That's an eternal law, and that is a natural law. Plant, and you will get a harvest. That's an eternal law. That's a natural law. Investment, invest, and return. You got it? Seed and child. Produce and reproduce. That's an eternal law and a natural law. Teach and you get disciples. Right? Now watch this. No investment, no return. That is an eternal law. That is a natural law. So don't get mad with folk that are sowing to the Lord and giving, huh, because they love God. And God in turn blesses them. And you got your lips stuck out like a bull with lipstick on it. And mad with everybody. Because you didn't have no investment. So you don't have no return. As soon as you start doing what everybody else do, then you get a return. I don't care how much you read the newspaper or how you get on your computer and look at the stock market and you can say, ooh, that stock market is going up and I, it's going up here, it's going up there. It's going up. But if you don't ever invest in it, you're not going to get what's going up and you ain't going to get what's going down. Are you hearing me up in here? We got folk, they always talk about investment. They don't never do anything. Scared money don't make no money. Stale money don't make no money. I, 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 I believe I'm going to hit it good. And you ain't move one ounce. Hallelujah. Everybody talking about how their stocks are growing and this and that. And you sitting over there talking about, well, I'm still getting ready. So the purpose of offerings was vast. It was big. I listed them for you. I'm going to go through them real quick. Purpose of offerings is number one, sacrifice. Number two, worship. Number three, contribution. Number four, sacrificial present. I bring a sacrificial present unto the Lord. Oblation, which is another word for offering or sacrifice. It's a gift. It's a donation to restore the relationship with God. This is what an offering is. I want to restore my relationship with God. A recognition of God's blessings. 
I went over all this. I'm just telling what it's for. Fellowship, thanksgiving, spiritual renewal, purification, trespass, reparation, restitution. This is what all offering does for you. That's why the devil fights against you giving your offerings. He fights against you giving your tithe. He fights against you giving your first food. Now, come on now. Let's be real. Don't y'all be mad at me now. You know, oh, Reverend, you just been talking about that. Why y'all talking about that? Well, let me tell you something. Everything that you got to do with living on this life has to do with money. Your whole life evolves around money. What did it cost you to get in your house? See, y'all don't want to talk with me now. What did, what did it cost you to get that car you drive out, drove out there? What did it cost you to get what you got on your body right now? What did it cost you all them, them diamonds and gold and earrings? And, what that cost? These here assistances, what did it cost you? Money. Huh? What did it cost you with all that food that you be gobbling down and wasting? And in this country, you get sick. You, you, we can help you with the best of the best care if you got the money. You don't have the money. They're going to roll you over the corner and say, well, we got to see if you got insurance or not. Man, I'm over here dying. Somebody need to see me. Well, we got to check this card first. Some of you all are entrepreneurs, you want to start your own business, what's it going to take you? So why in church you don't want to talk back with me? Why did you go to school? What, what did it cost you to go to school? And you went to school to get more what? And you don't want to marry nobody with what? Listen, you go on and live on. I love you, baby. We so you so fine. Uh-huh. After a while, you better get up and go to work. Cause somebody need to make some money. We didn't get this building, this church, and this night. Y'all got the hell on now. And nice and lights, flat lights all over the place. What you think that what it took to get that? What it took to get all these instruments and everything? Huh? That nice carpet y'all standing on, you got to tear it up running around here. What that cost you? Them nice cushioned seats you sitting on, what that cost? What that going to take you? This LED wall and everything, all these LED screens. What that going to do? What? What? Take what? And then you got a colossal nerve want to talk about me talking about this. You need to talk about it so you can get some more of it. Not to cover it after, not to say I got it and brag about it. You need more money for ministry. Right. 
Because the only thing that's keeping you from doing the vision that God gave you that you want to do, the only thing that's stopping you is the provision. A lot of you in here got vision. Ooh, I want to start a girl's camp, but it's going to take you some what? That's it, money provision. Right? Some of you don't, listen, some of you even work the job you work on if you had more some of y'all hate y'all job. Y'all gonna go, y'all gonna, y'all gonna go tomorrow and go into a job that you hate. But if you had the, you'll quit tomorrow. Y'all don't want to talk. You'll quit tomorrow. You'll come out here and say, Bishop, what y'all need me to do? I don't need no money because I got plenty of that. You come out and say, you ain't got to pay me. I'm good. <laughs> all right, let's go on. I'm gonna give you, I got to give you some scripture. Let me go. All right, all right. I told you all about the sewing on all. I got to talk it. Okay. Oh, God, help me. Deuteronomy 26. Let's go there. Deuteronomy 26, verse 2. Let's start there. That thou shalt take of the uh, first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there. I pray that God has his name here. Amen. That thou shall go unto the priest that shall be in those days and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord thy God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our father for to give us. Verse 4. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. They brought the baskets full of things that they wanted to offer to the Lord. Same principle. When you bring something to the altar, you're giving it as unto the Lord. So let me say this. When we talk about sowing on the altar, the devil will never tell you to give to God's program. Satan will never say, bless God's work. So therefore, rest assured that we will never tell you to sow any money on the altar for God's plan. He will never tell you to do it. Satan will never tell you to sow any money on God's altar for God's plan. He will never. Matter of fact, if it got to do with God, he'll say, don't do it. He said, don't you do it. And you got to be careful because sometimes you die. Uh, the, the Lord will tell you to do something. You'll be like, loose here, Satan. <laughs> well, that's not Satan. That's God. And then you talking about, oh, this must be God. God said, uh-uh, that's the devil. I was looking last night at the uh, American Greed. How many of y'all watch that program, American Greed, every night? It was talking about Dennis Rodman. And how uh, the running back for Miami used to be, what's his last name, was William, Ricky Williams. How this, this nice, beautiful black woman swindled them out of their money. She took them to the cleaners. But she was nice. She was beautiful. Sister girl had bank accounts where she was switching money all over the place. 
a hundred and something bank account where she was just switching money and just money laundering and everything. And she would just tell them, oh, that was, that, uh, uh, they made a mistake or whatever. And they just trusted her. She was supposed to have been an agent, their agent. And she had to swindle a whole bunch of them out of their money. That's why sometimes you got, ooh, this got to be God. She's so beautiful. Wait, hold up. This got to be God. He's so handsome. Wait. Handsome about to take you over and out. <laughs> handsome about to make you lose your, everything, your relationship with God. You, you about to miss God and everybody else. You about to curse God and curse the church too. All because of Hampson. You should have stayed with ugly. Why y'all left? At least ugly told you how beautiful you were and ran your bath water and, you know, fixed your coffee for you and, you know, started your car for you, got your towel warm for you when you got out the tub and, uh, man, ugly know how to take care of you, but, uh-huh, you know, mess around, I got somebody prettier than you. You tell, uh-huh, you, you done got Hampson, and he, he say, well, can you pick up the kids? Uh, he say, well, no, baby, I got to go get my nails done. I got to get my manicure and my pedicure, so can you pick them up? See, y'all want a real preacher to talk to you. That's all. I, I got you. I got you. So here's a question. Do I have to lay money on the altar? No. You ain't got to give your tithes. You ain't got to give your offerings. You ain't got to give first fruit. You ain't got to do nothing. But, oh, I ain't going to say that. Hallelujah. But you're going to surely die one day. Fill in the blanks. Some people view the practice as a genuine expression of faith. Say that with me, a genuine expression of faith. Others view it as a distraction or attention grabber. So there are two schools of thought. The first one is that if the minister utters something that resonates with, your, with you spiritually, you place the money at the altar and the town amounts to sowing a seed in the ground. And ultimately, you will reap blessings. Second is that if you're inspired by the minister's teaching, you need to not wait for the offertory to give. It's spontaneous. It's automatic. And sometimes you can hear a word that ignites something inside you that lasts forever. Just like I'm up talking. Something that might grab you today. They said, man, that was, that was revelation for me. And it's all about what you believe and your faith, and it's not for everybody. And so the act of sowing a seed has biblical roots. Why do people lay money on the altar? Well, they sow unto the word. That's what they're doing. People sow to the word that has just been spoken and received right then and there. And so some feel blessed instantly and need to express that by giving instantly. And so 
the word inspired them to give. Now, this kind of giving comes naturally. I do it because I believe the word that's being spoken at the time, and I want to sow into the revelation or the prophecy at the time so that it will manifest itself. And I've tapped into the gift God has given me, and I have discerned when it's of God and when I'm supposed to give. Now, hear me real good. Some people will give with the wrong intentions, with the wrong motives. It's a show-off thing, but that's not why I'm giving it. Are you hearing me? But for people who truly believe, it works for them. Now, we understand that the Bible says that when we give, we can expect to receive. However, we don't give to get. You give because you love God. You give because you honor God. You give because you respect God. And if you don't remember that, you'll get off track. So, there you have it. Somebody asked a question now and answered in a long way. Now, let's explore first fruit giving. Every day we should set aside some time to thank God for his blessings, for his love, and his grace. Did you know that even atheists can't get around the fact that our nation honors God on Christmas Day? Why don't true atheists, you know, why don't they go to work on Christmas Day or on Thanksgiving Day? If they was a true atheist, they should say, no, I demand to go to work on Christmas. I demand to go to work on Thanksgiving. If they was a true atheist. See, as Christians, we, we need to show the world that God is worthy to be praised. Not only on Christmas Day, but every day of the year. Now, the Bible points out a primary principle for the principle of first fruit giving. In the Old Testament uh, times, the Jews would come together at Passover time. And appear before the Lord with their first fruit. Now, here's the purpose for them doing that. To offer to God. Hear me now. To offer to God the very first of the very best that they had. Say that with me. The very first and the very best of what they had. Now, this is an important principle to remember because as, as we approach a new year, we can't ignore it because God requires this of us as well. God based their prosperity on the inheritance of this principle. It is not just an Old Testament principle or a New Testament principle or a church program. It is God's principle. It is God truth. So first fruit giving goes deeper than just passing the offering plate on Sunday. It is based on a biblical theme. Alright? Let's look at Proverbs nine, oh, 3 and 9. 3 and 9. Proverbs 3 and 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your possessions 
What are possessions? Things that we have. Right? You ought to honor the Lord with everything that you have. How can you dishonor God with the things you have? Well, let's say, for instance, the car that you drove up here today. You can dishonor God with that possession. You can get mad and say, step out on that cord, but I guarantee you I'll hit you. You dishonored the Lord with the vehicle that he blessed you with. Because you misused and abused it by hitting somebody with it. That car was not created for you to run over people. Even though some of y'all got, you know, rage. Road rage. I got the way. Some of y'all got it bad. God, God got to deliver you from waving at people with one finger. <laughs> huh? Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now, your possessions and your increase are two different things. You got it? First fruits with the S on it of all your increase. See, when you start flowing in tithing, you understand that 10% of everything that you have is a systematic way of giving. But after you get customary to flowing in tithing, let's use an example of $100, you give what? 10. $10 out of 100. So you've done that for a few weeks or whatever, that, and then mess around, and the Lord behold, you get an extra $20. Now that's an increase. So that's your first fruit. That first increase is your first fruit. So that $20 go and you sow it, as the Bible said, to the priest. And he prays. I'm getting ahead of myself now. Praise over your life that the blessing will remain at your house. So after that one, after that you get that first 20, then you start getting the flow of 120 a month. Now you just give what? Not only just $10, but you give $12. Got it? Now you're in the flow of $12. But then you mess around and get another increase. You see how you see the process? And like I said, some people will never get to this level of getting. Because it won't be taught or they won't receive it. It's one of the two. So God has always demanded to be first. What did I just say? All right, look at Exodus 20 and 5. Say, For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. So our relationship with God is like a marriage relationship. We are the bride of Christ. He demands first place. And he gets jealous if he's not. He won't play second fiddle to anybody. He doesn't like you flirting with the devil. He wants to be first in your life. Are oh, you hearing me? And so there are certain expectations and rights even within a marriage relationship. My wife expects certain things of me. There's some things that she has a right to have that other women don't have a right to have. 
just like your wife. There's some things that she has a right to have that other women don't have the right to have. Y'all don't want to talk back to me. Your wife got certain expectations of you that no other woman should have expectations of you. Why? Because she's first in your life. Are you hearing me? My wife has a right to call me up and say, baby, I need this, I need that, I need that. You don't have no right to call me and say, hey, Bishop, can you come around there and get me this and that and that and that? Hallelujah. She should expect, she got expectation. She should expect me to be able to rub her feet and massage her and, and you know what I'm saying? Hey Amen. Holler and rub her back and lotion her down and all that kind of, This is an expectation you got for me. Nobody else should have no kind of expectation ever of that for me. Why? Because she come first. The first lady don't want to be second to nobody. And your wife don't want to be second to nobody. Hey, baby, I, I, I just got you these little days that I saw on the ground, but I just dropped over a drug roll over here to my first lady. <laughs> so I give my wife love and devotion. Not your wife. I give my wife. She expects it. She deserves it. She wants it. And she demands it. And so does God. God, this first fruit given, this is a thanksgiving. God demands that we give him our very best, making him first place in our life. And time haven't changed. This is an eternal principle. 1 Corinthians 10 and 31 says, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And since the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, God no longer demands blood sacrifices in the temple. You don't sacrifice animals anymore. You don't sacrifice grain anymore. All because of what Jesus did. His method has changed, but God hasn't. His principle has never changed. God still demands first place in your life. He wanted first place in the Old Testament. He wanted first place in the New Testament. He wanted first place right here in 2024. Romans 12 and 1. Say, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, accepted unto God, which is your reasonable service. Y'all see that? That's first place to me. Luke 10 and 27. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. That is first place, ladies and gentlemen. God wants first place. Second best would never do in first fruit office. Would a coach ask you to, hey, I want you to do your second best. A coach always wants you to do your first best. Give 110%. Your husband don't want you to do your second best. He wants you to do your first best. Baby, this is my second best uh, meal right here. Huh? 
No. Yo, honey, don't want you to give your second best. He wants you to give your first best. Your wife wants the first best. She expects it. She deserves it. She has earned it. Putting up with your hard head self. Hallelujah. We can't be hard-headed sometimes, you know. We can be stubborn. Well, y'all don't want to talk with me. That's okay. And you know, if, 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 if earthly man requires first, what do you think about God? Why you want to give God leftovers? You sound like the people in the scripture where they want to give God the leftovers. What is the first fruit of a sour grapevine? A bunch of sour grapes. What is the first fruit of a rotten apples? A bag of rotten apples. In contrast, what is the first fruit of an orchard of red ripe apples? God requires the first fruit often being the very best. Not just enough to get by a token or symbol. A kind of God that uh, uh, doesn't accept polluted sacrifices or offering. We learned that in the scripture that God don't want your second best. He don't want no polluted offering and he don't want no leftovers. But after I pay everything else, this is what I got left, God. God said, no. He said, take care of me first. How many folk you sitting beside? Oh, excuse me. How many folk you know that been just robbing and giving God leftovers? That's a very good chance you sitting beside somebody that's giving God leftovers right now. They're probably a real good chance that you give somebody that they just come in here and just enjoy everything you enjoy and just tip, uh, giving them a token. And then be acting like they're all right. Ooh, we bless, we bless. I'm going to show you this and then I'm going to sit down because I can't finish it. Malachi 1. I'm not going to the other Malachi. I might do that later on. But Malachi 1. Look at this. Verse 6. A son honored his father. Y'all with me? And a servant his master. Give me about 10 minutes. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Said the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests. He talking to the preacher now. Everybody want to be a preacher. Everybody claiming to be a preacher. All y'all that preaching on the side, sneaking to preach. You want to be big dog? He said, oh, priest that despise my name. He getting on the preacher's hips now. And ye say, where in? Go ahead, Reverend. Get on the preachers. Get on them. All right. And ye say, where in have ye despised thy name? Look what he say. Ye offer polluted bread unto my altar. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say the table of the Lord is contemptible. Verse 8. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? They offering stuff that blind, not, not the best part, but stuff that nobody else wants. And if you offer lame and sick, is that not evil? 
Well, look what he said. Y'all, y'all, y'all let in the Bible. Look what he said. Offer it now unto thy governor. Offer it to somebody that you say of, you know, a, a, a great clout and high renown. Offer it unto governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Said the Lord of hosts. The governor wouldn't accept that foolishness. God said, why you want me to accept this stuff, these blind and sick and weak and feeble stuff, this little, you know, leftover offering that you've given me? I done blessed you to go to school. You got your bachelor's, your master's, and you, now some of you say, well, I ain't got none of that, but I done blessed you with a mind to be able to climb up the ladder of success and nobody helped you but God. You don't want to recognize it. God said, I was the one that helped you do all of that. You living better than you ever in your whole entire life, and you want to give me a leftover? You want to do me like that? Your governor, your mayor, your, they won't even accept it. You come here looking all pretty, all cute and everything, and hallelujah, giving God leftovers. You know, you know most people, they beg for what they need. Huh? And they buy what they want. They beg for what they need and they buy what they want. That, we see people do that like that all the time. Y'all don't see them, but we, they come here all the time. They beg for what they need and they buy what they want. They come here. <clears throat> ding, ding. Can I talk to the pastor, the reverend, the bishop, the father? Whoever's in charge, the minister. See, y'all, y'all don't see this. Y'all, y'all don't see nothing. I, I was just wondering if y'all help people and help them with their food and help them with their cheering. And, and this, this is not this is not make fun because we help a lot of people now. I'm, I'm just I'm just bringing a point out now. We're, and we done helped a lot of you all, so don't, 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 don't start that. <laughs> but uh, I just want to know if you're helping. And then they come up here. Hair just laid. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Nails, putty, deck out. And got $600 jeans on. And I don't know why they cost so much because they got all them holes in them and everything, but that's all right. And then they'll say, can you help me with my this and that and the other? So you, you, you tell me, you telling me you bought what you wanted. You didn't buy what you needed. You bought what you wanted. Now you begging for what you need. If you would have bought what you needed, you wouldn't have to beg. Because my God says he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Are y'all hearing me in here? 
See, I got sense enough to know that any one of us in here that do what we supposed to do, we got enough people in here that if you're in between blessing, you are in, you know, fellowship with everybody in here, that God will touch hearts in here that will help you get across the bridge until you get yourself together when you are connected with a church family and a body that knows you and know what you've been doing. I'll never have to go without. I'll never have to go with that because I got too many brothers and sisters that we have helped each other. You're going to give God the sick and the lame and the blind. I'm about done. Y'all can't take too much of this. What a way to start out the first Sunday. Now, here we go. Let's end it. Too often we keep the very best, and y'all know it. And we give God what is left over. Here's what we keep. Don't throw nothing at me. Don't throw nothing at me. We keep the best time. What you mean, Bishop? And give God maybe one hour on Sunday. Because it won't be long before you stuck that finger up. But God got all the other days and all of most of Sunday too, but you just want to give it one hour. So we keep the best time to ourselves. We ain't giving it to God. You ain't like that one? We keep the best service. And then we're too tired to work for him. They ask you to get on the team. And, hey, I'm, I'm tired. So we keep the best service to ourselves. Then we keep the best thoughts to ourselves. What you mean? And only think about him if we, you know, if we think about him at all or if we're dead. It's only when you're desperate that you think about him. Lord, can you help me? This is your servant down here begging you to have mercy. You didn't think about him Saturday night when you were. You didn't think about that, huh? It was when you got in trouble and you got desperate. Then you want to slide all on the altar. You gave yourself the best thoughts. You didn't give God your best thoughts. And then this one, you definitely don't want to hear about this one. You gave the best, you kept the best dollars to yourself. You put a tip in the offering plate and if you have any leftovers at the end of the week or the month, you'd be like, here you go, Lord. Doop, doop. And you know, many times our giving is an afterthought. Instead of having our offering ready to give to God on Sunday, a lot of people open the water press on the offering plate and then begin patting it. Well, you know, look inside. Well, you know, I ain't got that much in there today. No, you already know what you need to set aside. I refuse to give man more than I give God. You know, my wife and I, we didn't have very much. We start saying we're going to give where we want to be. 
God raised us up, we said, well, let's, 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 let's up it. We're going to give where we want to be. We're going to sow where we want to be. Hallelujah. And God has honored that. He has honored his word. Are you following me? God has honored that. Don't you let the enemy rob you of anything. God has got to be first and you got to give him your very best. Come on, say that with me. God must be first and I must give him my very best. Say it again. God must be first. And I must give him my very best. One more time. God must be first, and I have to give him my very best. Come on, give the Lord a praise offering. Everybody stand it. I'm done. I can't go no further. You can't take too much more there. I'm going to just go ahead and hallelujah. We're, we're not going to keep the best for ourselves. We're going to give God what's due to him. We got to give God our best things. When I look out in this audience, I may not can look directly in your face, but you know what I see? I see people uh, coming ready to receive, to be sown into. And as, as you begin to Walk in this life and live in this life, you begin to grow and blossom. That when you look back on your life, you say, you know, man, we started here, but look how we have grown since we've been here at the winning church. Everything I teach you, first lady, we literally now we practice. You know. I've had several spiritual fathers in my life. Uh, some because, you know, when I was in military, I had to move and we got connected with, you know, other. But some of you all know the ones that I've had here in the time that I've been passing here for 31 years, going on 32 years. The first one is Bishop Willie L. Reed. There was not a time that he was in my presence that I didn't sow anything in his life. He used to tell me, he said, B, I don't know where you come from, but I ain't never raised no ministers like you. He said, where you come from? You different. Never in the, when he'd been in my presence that I didn't sow into his life. And I told him one day, I said, you know, Bishop, you got a bunch of sons, but I'm going to be the first son. And this is not to brag. I'm just telling you what this has been years ago because he's been, I don't know how long he's been dead, but uh, he's been going on to be with the Lord. I said, I'm going to be the first preacher that ever saw a $10,000 seed in your life. And guess who was the first one? Listen. He passed away. Dr. Wilcox and, and, and Lady Ann became our spiritual parents. There's not a time that he's in my prison that I don't sow something into his life. Not a time. I don't care if I have to go back the next day, I'm still going to sow something in his life. And he just, he just, 
He don't, he don't know what to do. He say, he say, he know he called me Harvey. He say, Harvey ain't never had nobody do nothing like that for me like that. And they just become so humble. But they don't understand. It's doing more for me than it's doing more for them. Because watch this. As, as my wife and I do it to Ann and, and uh, Mother Ann and, and, and Dr. Wilcoxon, it's like we doing it to ourselves. Because there's nothing that we can't do for God that God won't do back for us. So why do, you, why do you bring that up, Bishop? I'm not a hypocrite. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I can't teach this and tell you to do stuff that I'm not doing myself. Hallelujah. And some of you all, you have gotten that principle because we've been teaching about first fruit. You've been doing it for a while. And you are the main ones that always coming up after. I say, now watch. They're going to come back again and say they got another first fruit. And it's like clockwork in it, man. Because once you start that principle, it begins to flow in your life over and over and over and over again. You will be amazed of what some people have done by way of first fruit. Now, since that time that we did that for Bishop Reed, I've had somebody that sold in my life more than what I sold into his life. I'm telling you, you can't beat God giving. I'm telling you, the Bible is right. Quit listening to all these other people. I'm not trying to be a spiritual celebrity. I'm not trying to preach for popularity so you can like me. I'm trying to get you somewhere where you could be blessed, where your family can be, yeah, in a great place, in a relationship with God. I'm trying to get you to grow. I'm trying to get you to uh, experience the great things in God. And sometimes I'm going to have to rub you a little harder. You know, it may burn a little bit. Sometimes I teach you, it may sting a little bit when I'm talking to you about the husbands to their wives and the wives to her. It's going to sting a little bit. But it's not to break you, it's to make you. I'm going to have to teach some things to my leadership. And it's not to hurt them, it's not to make them feel bad about nothing, it's to make them better. That's all it is, it's just to make you better. I want to see you do good. Stay here with me. You're definitely going to be blessed. You stay here with us in this church. You are going to be blessed tremendously. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've seen people start out with nothing, but their business just took off. Here recently, somebody said, Bishop, I'm, I'm doing my LLC, this and that and the other. And, uh, and I asked them, I said, are you ready? They said, yeah, I'm ready. They didn't know what they were saying. Soon as they said that, that business done took off, they weren't ready. Because more business coming than they can handle. So when you ask God for something, you better be ready. Because he got a tendency 
are pouring it out on you to overflowing. Ooh, I wish I had time to pray for my entrepreneur. Ooh, I wish I had time to pray for those that got a thought that they want to start something. Ooh, I wish I had time to just, just uh, stay on the altar with you so until you get your breakthrough. I wish I had time to do that. Whew. Well, let me tell you something. Just like we read Proverbs 20 and 24, your steps are directed by the Lord. You got to believe that and receive that. You got to believe that and receive that. I'm done talking. Would you bow your heads with me?